Agents Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. Welcome back, Lab Coach Nation, to another episode of the Lab Coach Agents Podcast. And uh, this one, I'm just going to tell you right now, stop what you're doing, pull over, get off the treadmill, sit down, listen, go grab a, a box of tissues, because this is a powerful freaking story right now. I met this amazing woman earlier today. And uh, heard a little bit of her story, and now we are meeting again to hear all of the story. And I'm going to tell you right now, I had chills, and I'm I'm excited to listen to it again. So let me just give you a little bit of a little teaser here. Uh, we're going to be talking to a a realtor who is who's crushing it in the Augusta, Georgia area. Uh, ranks number one in annual sales, over 1,500 transactions for over 400 million in volume. But that's not why necessarily why we're talking. We're going to get to that. Uh, why we're talking is because her story is massively impactful. Let me tell you this. If you think you've had a rough one, if you've had a rough life, a rough week, a rough year, huh, let me tell you right now, this, this will blow that away. Uh, and I'm not going to say anything more because I'm going to let her tell the story. So welcome to the show, Venus Griffin. Hi there. Thanks for having me a second time. <laughs> this is the real time. This is the real yes. time. Yes. So, um, I, you know, like, like, like I've already said before, let's, let's, uh, let's start from the beginning. You tell us, uh, you know, our audience probably doesn't know who you are. Maybe a few do, but let's hear the story of kind of why sure. we're talking today and sure. kind of what led you to where you are today. And I know it's a long story, so I'm just going to strap myself in and listen. Can they see me or just hear me? Just, both. both. Okay. Uh, most of our podcast listeners are probably listening, but this is also on YouTube. So some might be watching. Okay. Perfect. So my name is Venus Morris Griffin. Um, I live in Augusta, Georgia. I've been a real estate agent for a little over 10 years. I got my real estate license to just help my husband pay for some of the things we wanted to do, but couldn't necessarily afford like a vacations or you know, just doing special things with the kids. I, my story starts back from um, when I was very, very young. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. I had a great mother that had great issues. We struggled with prescription drug, you know, issues her whole life, alcoholism. You know, she was in and out of mental hospitals, one of my earliest mem- memories as a child was to watch her fingernails. Um, and if they turned blue, I was, I was to call 911 because that meant, you know, she wasn't breathing. So, you know, <clears throat> my whole life, 
I don't know my father. I was born out of an adulterous <clears throat> affair. I've got two siblings, half siblings. And, you know, they, like me, went through the trauma. We live in this house and, you know, on cold mornings, you've got one room and you put blankets over the other rooms. So that the wood burning furnace would keep you warm. Um, you know, I, I was nervous to bring any friends home. I had very few few friends because, you know, when you go in the kitchen and you turn the lights on and you see hundreds of roaches going everywhere, you're just, you're, you're ashamed and you're embarrassed. And, you know, my mom, she, I, I think she did the best she could do with what she had to work with. She married at 15 to a guy who was schizophrenic and, you know, they had a very um, dysfunctional marriage. You know, he, he's trying to shoot her. She's trying to stab him. He's got 20 locks on the doors divorces him, marries the guy that I grew up from age three until they divorced. And, you know, my brother and sister, they also um, watched the tragedy. You know, they watched my mother get arrested for, you know, insurance fraud and thinking people were breaking in our house and being scared to death. I remember being in my bed, just shaking, thinking people are going to break in again. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years younger than my sister, nine and a half, young, nine younger than my brother. And, you know, they unfortunately could not break out of the cycle. Um, my, my brother was in and out of boys' homes. Um, he, just, he just couldn't deal with, you know, we all deal with adversity differently. And he just didn't, you know, he, he couldn't deal with it. So, you know, I watched him at a very young age. Was, he was sentenced to maximum security prison for a while. And I remember visiting him with just like in a movie, one door comes all the way down while the other door comes down and then the other door opens. And then you go into this big room. And I just, you know, felt so sorry for him because he was a good soul, but just, just had, you know, been through so much and couldn't deal with it. And he, you know, he just couldn't break out of it. My sister, the same way she's, you know, sweet soul, but she turned to prescription drugs and abused them. And you know, alcohol, and she, um, you know, lost her very young children when they were itty bitty. And, you know, we haven't seen her in probably 15 years. The last time I think I saw her, she was in a mental hospital and um, trying to convince me that she worked there versus being a patient. Um, but, you know, I, I never knew um, how to break out of the cycle and I didn't know what to do, but I just knew I didn't want to be like everybody around me. So I tried to find good role models that I could look up to and, and, and see what they were doing with their lives just to maybe emulate that. I was, I guess, 14 years old, just on the verge of homelessness, living with friends, um, trying to figure out, you know, what to do. You know, my mother, she, again, just, she was a great person that had a very bad mental illness with with prescription drugs and alcohol and just, you know, having the police take me out of the house in Maryland, just for no, just because she's drinking too much or throwing a big 20 ounce, two liter drink on my head, driving down the interstate, you know, just to, you know, just to kind of torment me because she's, you know, just can't deal with her own life. So I always knew that I was different. And if I could just figure out a way out of the family, and, you know, what I saw in everyone else that was different from what I lived is, you know, everyone was educated that I wanted to be like, 
you know, they, they were happy. They had happy families. They had, you know, husband and wife and children. And, you know, although they had their own problems, they, they didn't have, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, parents going to jail for trying to defraud insurance companies. And so, you know, at 14, living on the verge of homelessness, I, I just said, you know, I'm going to try to get out of high school. And then if I can get out of high school, then I can, um, you know, I can, I can get to college and, and figure out how to create a life. Like I see these other people. And I just, at a young age, I decided not to do, you know, certain things like drugs. I've never tried a drug or marijuana or, you know, drinking. I, I drank very, very little to this day. I'll have an ice cream drink. You know, I just, I just kept thinking, okay, you do all the right things and, you know, you can get through it. So I worked, I've worked my whole life. I, I went to high school for three years and, um, I transferred high school, I think six or seven times within three years. That's how much I bounced around and, and it was, it was really difficult. And so, um, I figured out if I went to summer school and took an extra class that I could graduate a year early. And so I did that. I went to summer school, took my little English credit, and then off I was to college. So I went to college. I worked two jobs, supporting myself, um, got student loans and uh, waitress at California Dream and a waitress at Western Sizzling and nannied in between. You know, I'd save all of my money to pay my rent first, my food second. And then, you know, I remember going on a spring break and like having enough money. I ate like literally a sandwich a day, like a sandwich a day. And I would half it for, you know, lunch and the other half for, but I didn't know it. I was really happy. I never felt um, despair. I was happy about where I was headed because I knew, you know, that if I made the right decisions, that good things would happen to me. And so that's where I, I met my husband. Of, of nearly 20 years there um, at the University of South Carolina. And we dated um, probably a year and a half. And then he proposed to me when we married. And um, I came back to Augusta, uh, North Augusta, which is just a minute from Augusta. And we were um, married nearly 20 years. And, you know, I thought that I had life all figured out. I decided to put my career on hold. We had our first child. Um, he could not have children naturally, so we we had a donor. Um, and when I had that first little baby boy, my whole life changed. I, I wanted to stay home. I wanted to give him what I'd never had, which was a, a stable family, you know, a mom and a dad and be involved in their life. And I wanted him to be proud of me and just, you know, so I, we had um, we we had six children together. The first four we had in five years, and then we waited um, five years and had number five and number six. And you know we we looked like the perfect family. I thought you know he had some issues with mental health, but you know after what I had gone through as a child, you know the abuse and just not even knowing where I was going to live at and. You know, I would stay at one place until I felt like I was wearing a welcome out and I'd go to another place. And, you know, I thought we had a really good marriage. You know, I, it was better than anything I could have hoped for. And, you know, 17 years into the marriage, I, I thought, you know, 
you know, good things, you do all the right things and good things are going to only happen to you. And, and sometimes that's just not the case. Like bad things happen to good people. And, you know, my life changed. He was the soccer coach, the football coach, the baseball coach. I was the youth minister at our church. You know, I was the room mom. I was the PTO president. I was in the classroom. I mean, we look like Barbie and Ken and we just, you know, I thought I had overcome that dysfunction and I had made it. And, you know, I tell my, when I speak all over the country now, your life can change in 10 seconds. And that's, that's pretty much what happened to me. You know, it, you know, 17 years into the marriage, I get a phone call in the middle of the night and it's from a prostitute. And, you know, she said, you know, I've been blackmailing your husband and, um, you know, he's been cheating on you for years with prostitutes and, you know, have all the evidence that you could, you could ever want to see. He, we drained everything out of your, your bank accounts, your kids' accounts. And so, you know, when she called me, it was like out of the blue and I didn't believe her. And so I woke my 15-year-old son up and I said, honey, I need to go meet with someone and I need you to listen out for your siblings and I'll be back soon. And at the time I was still breastfeeding my baby. I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. 9, 11, 13, and 15 year old. And so I went down to meet with this prostitute thinking that, you know, she was just trying to extort something, money out of us. We we didn't have a lot of money. We were just blue collar people, paycheck to paycheck, you know, but very happy. And, you know, I was driving down there thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, figure out what's going on because I know my husband would never do this. So I get to this hotel and I knock on the door and it was a very shady motel. And she comes, this is very young girl and she's fidgeting. You know, you can tell maybe she's on something. Um, she's very teeny, you know, I'm a teeny person, but she, she was really teeny. And, you know, I'm like meeting with her and I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, what's happened to this young soul that's made her prostitute her life out? You know, I feel this like, weird connection with this prostitute, you know, who's basically just shattered my life. It's really strange. But so she's sitting there telling me all of the things, you know, he's the big man. He's, you know, they've, they've taken everything from us. She would say he'd give our credit card to prostitutes and they just go charge it up. He was just so careless and just such, just crazy. And, and still I'm trying to figure out she's telling the truth. And then she gets her phone and she's showing me photos of, of him naked with, you know, driving on the road naked, you know, just with women and just things that you would never, ever like think are possible. And um, so I knew she wasn't lying at this point. And I think what had happened is she had, I think she had kind of fallen in love with my husband because he was very charming. And, um, and but he was also verbally abusive. And I think he began to to abuse her verbally. And so she just, you know, I was easy to find. I'd got my real estate license, even though I just got my real estate license. You just Google me, Venus Morris Griffin or Venus Morris at the time. And, you know, my number cell phone pops up. But so she showed me these pictures on her phone and, and I see it ring and it's my husband's name on there. And she turns the phone to me and I answer I answer it and I'm just like, I can't believe you would do this to our family. 
You answered the phone. You answered the phone. I answered the phone. And he was devastated. And, you know, he was apologizing. And, but he was also very furious and angry that she would do that. But, you know, I had no, you know, she was like, you're so nice. You know, I had no problems with her because, you know, her, she, she was a wounded soul. A woman doesn't do that unless they're a wounded soul. So I just, you know, I left there and I thought I professed myself to be a Christian and, you know, anybody can be a good wife during the easy times and say for better or for worse, for sickness and death. But it's like the really hard times that you find out who you are and what you're made of. And I just said, you know, I'm going to fight for my marriage. Sex addictions really no different than drug addiction or alcoholism. And I'm going to help him and I'm going to show everybody that you can overcome really bad things. And I'm not going to personalize this addiction and think something is wrong with me. You know, his issues are his issues. You know, a lot of times as women, especially with someone that's unfaithful, we seem to think we could have done better. And, and it really has little to do with you. It's the, the other person has things. And so I just remember driving home thinking, okay, I'm going to save my marriage. I'm going to fight for it. You know, we've been married nearly 20 years. We have six kids. And and I, I called his mother. He has a really great family. And I, I said to, I told her everything. And they, I mean, they couldn't believe it either. Like a lot of times you see women, especially, and like they have all of these clues and they just ignore them. Well, there, there really were no clues. You know, he, we were on the front row at church every single Sunday for, for 20 years. You know, we, we had lunch together every day. We, we did everything together. And, you know, his mom was great. They, they sent him to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to a sex addiction clinic. And he was there probably, a, um, I don't remember a month or so. And so part is the intervention. You, you have to complain with everything you've done in order to recover with any addiction. You have to, you know, kind of make it right. And I'll never forget flying down to Mississippi with his mom and sitting on the plane with her and saying, you know, why don't you have photos of, of my husband when like he played football at Carolina? She said, the thing is, what are you talking about? You know, he never played football at Carolina. He never. And so like my, as I'm on this plane, my life is like unraveling. I'm like, you know, everything I thought about this person that he played football at Carolina, he stopped because he had this, you know, tumor. And I mean, everything was like made up. It was, it was something like out of a movie. And Anyway, so he's there. I'm still committed to fighting for the marriage. And then while he's there, something comes out that he's done that's really bad. And it's so bad that they, they give him a lie detector test and he fails it and they give him another one. And they call me and they said, you know, your husband was so nervous that we couldn't really administer it properly. You need to have a specific issue lie detector test um, in Atlanta. And it's like 98 or 99%. I mean, they will tell you if he's guilty of, of these things that we're, we're suspicious of. And so he, he took the test because he was very good. I mean, he could convince anybody of anything. And I think he took it thinking he could, he could beat it. And so he failed the test. And to make a very long story short, over the next six months, um, the district attorney um, was notified by some officials of what he had done. and. Um, they arrested him. They did not give him bail. And he was 
probably in jail for six months and he had a, a, a trial and he was convicted uh, and he got a 45 year sentence and a mandatory sentence of 21 years he had to serve before he was eligible for parole. And so I'll just never forget, you know, I'm here, I've got six kids, I'm driving home from the jail and I'm like, you know, how do you, how do you tell your kids that their, their dad who they thought was perfect is going to jail for 45 years? So I set all the kids down in a little circle. I was in a two bedroom. I was completely broke. I didn't even know how I could meet their basic needs. I had stayed home for 17 years. I didn't have a job. I just got my real estate license. And I'm like, you know, I sat them down and said, I don't really know what we're going to do, but I know what I've done. And I know I'm going to work really hard. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the cross up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a great mom. And we are not going to go deal. I said, the first thing we're going to do, I said, we're going to forgive your dad. And I said, we're never going to talk bad about him. And I'm going to take care of you. I don't know what that means. And my oldest son was amazing. He's 15, he was 15 at the time. He's like, mom, he says, you do what you need to do. I will take care of my siblings while you work to take care of us. And that's how my journey started. So it's in a two bedroom. I had like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I didn't, you know, I had a house that was gutted. Um, I had four kids sharing bunk beds and a, a fifth child, my son, who was 15, in this very tiny room. And then baby was in there with me. He was still nursing. And I'll never forget my divorce attorney because I filed for divorce immediately after the charges as he's convicted. He said, you know, Venus, you know, I know you like this real estate thing, but you really need to think about getting a real job. You know, it's it's 2009 ish. And he said, you know. The market has crashed. You know, everybody, even the good agents, they're getting out of it. He says, you know, and I don't mean to be harsh, but you don't get child support from prison and your family lives in trailers. He said, so you've got to come up with a plan real quick on what you're going to do. And so I said, you know, Tim, I'm okay. I'm okay getting a real job, whatever that means to you. I said, but, you know, I have been surviving on 1% my whole life. And you don't really know what I've got in me. And I, I have a work ethic like no other. And I've got six little kids looking to me and I didn't want them to be grow up like I did dysfunctional because I knew it was going to be hard in itself, just losing their dad because he was a good dad in many ways, you know? And so that's where my journey began with real estate. You know, I, I, I got up every day, you know, I, first thing I committed to doing was to taking care of myself because I had enough common sense growing up to see you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can help other people. And so my attorney says, okay, what are you taking Venus to, to get you through this? Um, I said, you know, I'm not taking anything, Tim. I said, I get up every day and I run five miles. I said, I hate getting out of the bed at five o'clock. I said, but I know those endorphins are going. If I need medication, then I'll I'll do that. But right now, I'm okay. You know, I'm I'm willing to do the work instead of looking for the quick fix. So I would run five miles. I would get my children up. I got them fed, and I, I committed to taking them to church every single morning, 
five days a week, Monday through Friday at seven o'clock before school, because I knew that, you know, this was bigger than me. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew, I, I, I just knew I needed something else. So we went to mass, even though they didn't like it, just to be honest with you. I just told them, you got to trust me. I don't know what I'm doing, but I feel like this is the right way. So I took on a mass and then I put my little work suit on. I probably had three work suits and I would just change the same one out, you know, and I would go to work every day with nothing to do. And I would, you know, my son said to me, mom, if you research your field uh, within you know, six months to a year, if you spend an hour on it, you'll become an expert in it. And so that's what I started doing. I would go sit in this little cubicle, you know, I didn't even, I didn't have an office. I was just in a little cubicle and I would just cold call people. I would drive around neighborhoods. I would knock on doors because I knew if I failed, they failed. And so I would knock on doors, tell people how great that I would do if they would just trust me to list their house. And I actually would do it. And then, you know, that's like a domino effect. You do a good job. You do your word. You, get, you excel expectations. And then they tell somebody else about you. And then you do a good job. You, you keep your word and you excel the expectations. And then I started doing two to three open houses every single Sunday. And I did that for eight, nine years, every single Sunday. Like, I would call other agents and say, listen, I, I want to work for free. I just want to go and, and show your house and try to help you sell it. If you'll just let me, if I get a buyer in there, you know, let me have that buyer. And I want to try to sell your listing. And I would actually work at that open house. I wouldn't just sit there and let people come in. You know, they would come in. I would introduce myself. I'd get to be their friend. I'd know about their children, their family, what they love, where they wanted to be. And if I didn't sell the house, which I did sell houses at my open houses, contrary to what research shows, I would sell houses and I would get buyers from it. And so I just kept every single day at the grind. I had no idea how I was going to do it. I made $20,000 the first part of my first year. My, my second year in the business, I made like 100000 And again, this is in the recession when no one wants to be in real estate. You know, everybody is getting out of it. My third year, I'm making, you know, two, 300000 My fourth year, I'm like, oh my God, like, how is this possible? But I was working like 70 hours a week. You know, I was, I would, it, it, and it was not complicated stuff. You know, it was as simple as knocking on doors, calling people calling people like every day I had a, a list, you know, if you know of anybody, everybody I knew I'm calling, just trying to sell myself and being genuine about it, you know, not BSing people, just really putting it out there. I will work harder than anybody. If you give me a chance. And so I became really successful, but I, I can't, it was just every day being in the grind of it. And one thing I didn't want to do is become this rock star agent and, you know, neglect my children. So my assistants knew at, at six o'clock to seven o'clock or whatever time or 530 to seven, they didn't put anything on my calendar. And I had a dinner with my children and we all sat at the table, all six of us. And we would go through our good thing of the day and our not so good thing. And they looked to me for their stability and because I was strong and I committed, you know, to this day, we've never said anything negative about their father. And and they've seen what I've done to, to take care of them. And, and now I'm like this powerhouse, you know, I've, I'm grossing close to $2 million 
this year, I've, I made an additional, I think I've made over a million dollars since January, just flipping a few properties, you know, it, it gets easier. But, but my story is you, you got to put in the grind. You got to have a why and you got to be committed. I started working out, you know, two years ago with my daughter and she takes me to the gym and she says, mom, she says, we're going to get up and work out at five o'clock every morning, lift weights for two hours. And then you might start to see results in about eight months. And I'm like, what? What do, you, what do you mean eight months? And so I wanted to support her. I didn't really believe that I would have a six pack in eight months. But my point in the sharing the story is month one, two, three, I'm working out every single day. I'm seeing no results, but I keep at it. Month four, working out every day, doing the same thing, no results. But month five, six, I'm starting to see one pack, a two pack. And, and really by month eight, I had like this incredible six pack because I had been consistent and the same thing is in real estate. You know, people say the market is so hard right now. It's the opposite. You know, I'm going head to head with people. We're having five and six offers on properties, bidding wars, which you can still succeed. You know, I have so far, I mean, I made, I think $600,000 in two, if I don't make a hundred thousand in a month, I think something's wrong with me. You know, I, I average from a hundred to $250,000 a month. And I tell people, I said, you know, I am no one special. I'm not, you know, you just have to commit to, you know, not focusing on the 80% no's that you get and to, to really focusing on the 20% yeses. And I told my kids when we went through this, I said, it is none. I mean, people were saying awful things about us in the community. I said, it is none of our business. What other people say about us in our personal life and our business life, we're going to stay focused and we're going to work hard and we're going to show the world that we can, we can get through anything and not just get through it, but we can succeed and we can thrive. And, and that's what we've done. It's still hard. You know, I still wake up some days and I feel like I just want to cry because it's hard. But you get up. You, I, you know, I still get up every day and work out at five o'clock. I hate it. People say, oh, I love it. You love, I'm not, I don't like it. But I know if I do the right things, if you do the right things in this industry, there's so many tools. There's more than one way to skin a cat. The way I did it might not work for somebody else. But if you keep at it every day, you put 40, 50 work hours in there, you're going to be successful in the real estate industry. And, and as long as you can look up, it doesn't matter what happens to you. If you can look up, you can get up. And I have fallen to my knees so many times, but I am determined to just keep doing the best I can do every day. And I, I never intended on being this successful. I never financially, finances and in, in what you make doesn't make you, make you successful. I believe that what you overcome to achieve is, to, is what really defines success, not, not necessarily what you achieve monetarily. I mean, that just kind of happened. And now, you know, my son, the biggest reward, now my children are, are 25, 23, 21, 19, 13, 11. And then I remarried and had a menopause baby at 44. So I'm, I'll be 50 on my birthday. So I have a five-year-old. But my son, you know, he is the president of his dental class. At, at, at There's only one dental school in Georgia. And he will be a doctor in, in a year from now. And, you know, the the... The most rewarding thing I've I've had of my life was when when he gave this speech at the opening ceremonies after he was elected president and he thanks everyone and 
re recognizes his peers for their achievements. And then at the end of it, he says, I want my mom to stand up because when the world threw the towel in on our family, nobody else could have gotten up with six kids and carried us. And I will be Dr. John Morris because of the influence that she's had. <laughs> And so it's still hard. We still struggle. Like having seven kids is crazy. You know, you know, I had a daughter that got pregnant in college and she's got twins and she's this rock star mom. You know, things happen. You just have to decide. OK, like my son said, when my daughter got pregnant, mom, she's not on drugs. She doesn't have cancer. You know, she's just taken responsibility. And now I've got these amazing twin grandbabies that are going to be four on their birthday. And I'm just like, you know, as long as you keep the right attitude, you work hard. You know, she finished college in four years with an accounting degree, which is very hard. You can do anything. You can get through anything. And, and I, I've just finished a book and it'll be out this year. And, and in my book, it just shows people. And, and my talk is not just for real estate people, but it, it even tells how I've developed wealth. You know, now I make a lot of money, but I'm, I'm starting to develop wealth because, you know, like flipping these properties. I just bought a million dollar beach house and I'm paying cash for it. You know, I, I live in a $2 million plus house. I have zero debt on it. I've paid all of my kids through school, dental school, I have zero debt. Every car I have is zero debt. You know, because when you go through tragedy, I want to make it like if I work at McDonald's, I don't lose anything. So I live, I try to live below my means. And, you know, you can, you can really do anything. Wow, that's the longest monologue ever. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm mean, gonna short it. No, that's that's. I, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a guy's guy, and I was fighting back tears a few times. So um, I can't imagine what what our listeners are gonna get out of this. And I, I, there's a lot of lot to unpack there. And I think there were several times that I just wanted to say. I mean, you know, you, it just kept happening. It just kept happening and something kept happening. And, and you just made the statement not long ago that, you know, you define success by what you can overcome, which makes me feel like crap. I've had, I've had a really easy life. I mean, you know, I've been very fortunate. And so it's like, in the, on that measuring stick, I'm thinking to myself, crap, I, I <laughs> what do I have to do to achieve that success? Well, you know, again, I, I don't, I, I think success is family and I, I think it's the relationships you have with people. Um, and, and as long as you can meet your basic needs, live within your means, I don't think your happiness is necessarily increased by more money. Um, so I think there's so many different definitions of success. And, and I don't think anyone, even my husband, ex-husband, you know, you're not defined by the worst thing you've ever done. You know, good people make really bad decisions and you just got to, you got to forgive people and, and let that go. And you, you got to move on. Yeah. And I think that's where we get hung up a lot of times is, you know, I, people ask me, how do you trust another man? How do you, I'm like, it never occurred to me that there was something wrong with me. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take this on, on my shoulders. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I mess up all the time, but I'm not gonna, I'm going to make a decision. It, it's easy as, you make a decision that you're going to be happy no matter what happens to you, you know, in, you know, it's, it's easy to be happy and great when everything is going good, but you have to decide, you know, if you know that hard times, they're going to still come. I know I'm going to still have more hard times, but you just have to know that they're temporary. 
and you you make you try to make the best decisions and we all mess up from time to time but you try to make the best decisions and you're going to get through any storm and, and you can be stronger for it and you can you can help other people and you know it's hard for me to share the story i still get emotional it's, my husband's been in prison now 10 years and you know i send him my friends think i'm crazy i send him pictures of all the children every year with an update on everything they're doing because i want to treat him the same way I'd want to be treated if I were there, you know, and I, I just try to do the best I can do. And you're, and you're a unique individual in so many ways. And, and, and I think I'm just to give a couple of my thoughts. Most people would have uh, maybe wrung the neck and or killed the prostitute when they walked into that room. And if not her, they would have done that to their husband when they got back to them. And here you are driving home thinking I'm going to make this work. That takes, I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about it, like, what would I do in, if I was in, in your shoes? And, and I'm not a, a physical person, but I don't think I would have even thought twice in that moment to forgive and work through it. I would have said, where's my attorney's number? Like, I'm done and you're out of here. You know what I mean? And and mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want to make this necessarily about that, although this is, you know, because it's, it's interesting on one side of the coin, we talk about, you know, obviously your personal side, which is uh, I would be hard pressed to find somebody with a more difficult story. I'm sure there's somebody out there, but you know, you're in the top, <laughs> you're in the, you're in the top percent that you don't want to be in on that one. But then on the other side of the coin, like there's nothing profound about what you've done to find success, which is super powerful in and of itself, because everybody's looking for, and you know, this industry, I mean, what did the stats say right now? There's, 1.45 million realtors and 1 million homes for sale. That's kind of a problem because it tells you that the barrier to entry is a little bit too low. Uh, people yeah. just get into it and they don't know what to do with themselves. And then they get here and they're looking for easy street. Yeah, uh, People need to hear this message yeah. beyond the powerful side of what you've overcome, but just the simplicity of, hey, yeah. I don't have any secret sauce. I just yeah. grind, grinded my ass off. I mean, that's amazing. And actually, so, so I got a couple of questions for you. So first, first question, you know, when you're talking to that young agent, when you're talking to that agent who's new to the business and says, Oh my God, like it's almost defeating to hear what you have to say, because mm -hmm. it's like, I don't want to work hard, especially you know, yeah. you think about younger generations nowadays. What do you say to them? What do you say to somebody who says, how do I do it? You know, what I'll say is that you can achieve any level of success in this business that you want you have to decide what your motivation is, what your why is, why are you doing it? And you have to go for it. You have to, you know, I had a, a very high-end client of mine who got his real estate license, who was very successful in a different industry, who says to me, I'm not going to put a $100,000 buyer in my car. Well, guess what? You know, he thought he could buy his way into this industry. A year later, he's out of it. Because you got to start at the bottom. You got to work your way up. You got to prove your worth. And you you can't worry about what people say about you, what people think about you. You got to be willing to outwork everyone. You got to be able to, you got to put your sleeves up. You know, if you're not, I tell people that aren't successful that I don't know how to do it. I don't know what you're doing. I'm like, well, how many open houses do you do before the COVID thing? Um, and we're, we're, we can do open houses here now again, but um, what are you doing to be successful? And, you know, they, they're not doing anything. I said, well, you can't really complain if you're sitting here telling me that you're not calling every agent in town, begging them to do an open house for you. I said, like the basic grassroots, that's where it starts. 
you know, you got to get your feet wet. You got to have, you got to develop confidence. And you only do that by starting at the bottom and working your way up. You know, I still, I just closed on a $60,000 trailer this month. You know, I sell million dollar properties, but I'm, I'm not too good. I still work with anybody. I am not too good to, to go out there and treat that person who lives in a trailer with the same dignity and respect that I will the million dollar buyer. A lot of agents don't do that, but it's the trickle effect. You know, one thing leads to another, you know, success. It's, it's, it's like a ladder. You got to keep climbing it, you know, in young people these days, they expect instant gratification. It, it, it's, that's not the way it is. It's still hard. I still like, again, if I'm not making a hundred, I, I make at least a hundred thousand a month. I think something's wrong and I'm working hard. You know, I went to Jamaica for a wedding this past weekend. I took all six, six of my seven children and I'm like on the sidelines working because that's what it takes to be successful. Now I don't, you know, I've got, a, I've got probably got about five, seven more years of this. I got, I've got four in college right now and one in a private high school. And so I don't intend to work like this forever because I'm building my wealth. I'm getting smarter with it, but you got to start out at the bottom and you, you got to be not too proud, not too good uh, to get down there and, and, and do it. Yeah. And if you want to be a good agent, you can really, you can Google it. There's 15,000 things focus on what suits your personality and go for it. And don't focus on, you know, 80, 90% no's. focus on that 10%. Another rule I have for myself is I don't ever let myself think bad of somebody. You know, if you think the best of other people, you're going to be more successful. You know, I had an interview today for a listing. I get probably 99% of the listings I interviewed. They told me they were interviewing other agents. I'm like, that is really smart. I said, it is like a shoe. You got to, you got to have confidence in what you bring to the table. And when you have that confidence, people, you are going to attract people to you. And it's, it's not something you can teach people. It's something that you've got to learn through hard work and determination. Yeah. And, and you got to not settle for the market's too hard right now. I mean, you, you, you got to know that you can figure out a way, you know, in, in when everybody's foreclosing and getting out of the business, I got six kids. My attorney's saying, get out, yeah. get a real job. Are you stupid? Yeah. I'm like, maybe, but I, I got, I've got work ethic. And it's, it's that simple. I mean, you can be successful at picking up trash and pick up the trash first, then find out how to buy the trash truck and then start your own business. You know, really, we, we overcomplicate things. We see people up here and and we're all the same. We're all the same. You just have to decide what you want and you got to go after it. You know, I just bought a $200,000 duplex a couple of years ago and this investor calls me and says, hey, do you have any duplexes? This is a I've got one that I would sell for the right price. He gets me $876,000 for it two years later. You know, I have no debt. It's like crazy. But you keep working, doing the right things. It might not feel like that day things are right. But over time, you're going to start to see momentum. You're going to start to see progress. And, and you can become unstoppable. And, you know, when I became successful, there was this agent, Claire Stone. She was the top agent. And I looked at her and she has such class and dignity. I said, I want to be like her. And I learned from her that you don't have to trash other real estate agents. You don't have to, you know, you can lift other people up. There's, I didn't take any, I finally became the number one agent in her prime, but I didn't take anything from her. She was still extremely successful, you know, so there's room for us all to be successful. 
you know, you got the work ethic, you can make, you can make something happen. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, two questions. One, one is a goofy one. Do you, are you, are you still in touch with that attorney? So, you know, he had a lot of respect for me and he really apologized to me years later. He had uh, open heart surgery and died last year. God. But yes, he, he, he did say, you know, Venus, you know, I've, I've, I've never seen anybody with your determination and will. And thank God you didn't listen to me because you make more money than, you make more money than me now. So uh, he, he was a great guy. And, that's that's uh, what I was getting at. That's what I was getting yeah. at. So, but a, now a real estate question again. So for, for that young agent who, who's struggling and, and saying, okay, so obviously there's the open house. That's, that's relatively that's easy. So right? easy. It, well, so it, easy. it is easy, except like to now when you know, they're not even holding houses open because they don't have to, but that's all cyclical. Everything's going to come and go. Right. But, but when, when, when somebody doesn't have experience, so you, you said you were calling, you know, you were calling homes, you were calling sellers, you were calling listings and saying, give me a chance. And what? they would ask me that question. How much experience do you yeah, have? Yeah. And you got to be smart about it. So what I would say is I feel like I've been selling real estate my entire life. You know, you, you, you just say, you know, I, you know, I feel like I've been doing it my entire life. I love what I do. You know, I'm not a salesperson, but I don't take an overpriced listing. And so I'm going to show you a book. I bring one of my listing appointments, a book where I spend a few hours researching. I show them everything that's listed, everything that's um, under contract, everything that is sold within the last six to 12 months. And so I come with such an impressive packet that they know when I leave, I've done my homework. And so when you say, I feel like I've been selling it forever, you know, I've spent you know, so many hours doing this, I want to sit down and show you this, then they, they appreciate the honesty and you're, you're being honest with them, but you don't have to say, you know, I have not, I've sold one house. You just say, you know, I feel like I've been doing it forever. And nobody because, ever, nobody ever questioned that and said, well, answer the question. How many years have you been doing? It? I, maybe, maybe one early on, maybe two. And, you know, I think I responded by saying, you know, I, I don't have as much as experience as maybe some of my competitors, but what you're going to get from me, you will not find anybody that will outwork me. Yeah. I said, I will be in, you'll be able to contact me 24 seven. You will get service like no one else. And if you're not happy with me, you know, it's like a marriage, you tell me and I, I will self-correct. I said, but I can give you a list of everybody that's used me who will, who will put their reputation on the line for me. You know, you have to show that you believe in yourself. And when they see that passion and you say, you give me a chance, I'll be the best real estate agent you've ever had. Yeah. And, and maybe use your life experience for you and say, you know, this agent, you know, she's really busy. You're not going to get the, the self-care that I'm going to give you. I'm going to, you're going to be, you're going to be me. You know, you have to, you got to, whatever your circumstances, you got to figure out how to work it to your advantage. You know, I love it. Well, let's, let's, um, we're running long on time and I don't really care. Uh, usually most podcasts I do care. I don't care here because you're just that good. Um, I want to fast forward real quick and I do want to be mindful of your time, but let's fast forward to today. So what are you, well, actually let's fast forward to when the success really started to happen. So I guess it's a twofold question. One, do you have any good advice for agents that are at that point where it's time to scale? and how they scaled their business. Because clearly you can't do 1,500 transactions and 400 million by yourself. Right. And, then, and then that's question number one. The question number two is, what advice do you have an agent in today's world? Um, so let's start with so, the first question. So I was so broke initially. Um, my 
first assistant was my very best friend, Rhonda Wallace. And I could not even pay her the first year that she worked for me, but she believed in me. And she said, you know, Venus, you don't worry about paying me. I will catch you up. You, you can catch me up next year, whatever. So she made 10 or 15%. And I think she, when she went part, she still works for me part-time. I think she was making $160,000 a year working for me. But I would say you have got to look at the big picture and you've got to reinvest the money you're making. You know, you've got to brand yourself. Like I am, like I walk down the street, people know me. Like, it's kind of weird. Like my kids say, mom, people think you're like famous at our school. You know, I've branded myself so well. Like there wasn't one billboard on, on Washington road when I got into real estate. Now, like there's probably 25 agents. I've got billboards everywhere with my face, the big V. v. Now I don't even, I just put Venus Morris Griffin. People know me. You brand yourself. You put money into it. It takes money to make money. You you got to you got to be able to just know you're going to be eating ramen noodles, and in that first year, you know, pay somebody to do all the busy work. When I went on my interview today, they said, "Okay, what do you do? You know, are you going to hand me off to your assistant?" I'm like, "Absolutely not." I said, "I'm going to market your house. I'm going to show your house. I'm going to sell your house," and. When it goes under contract, I have people to do the busy work. I said, you don't want me doing paperwork that I can pay somebody $15, $20 an hour. That's very, very important, but you want me to delegate that to someone else. And so you have got to be willing to not be greedy and you got to put that money and you got to treat yourself, your real estate business, like a business. And, and I'll tell you the other thing I can tell you is you won't believe how many agents show up in a pair of jeans for an interview. If you want to be the best, you got to show up. I mean, I have a three-piece suit on every day. I mean, I can climb a tree in these hills. I'm so used to them. you you got to dress for success if you want to be a big dog. You know, I, my first suit was like 100 bucks, you know, and I'd wash it and wear it every two days. you, you got to figure out a way to, you know, you got to dress the part, you got to play the part, and you got to spend money. And you won't have the money initially, but when, the moment you get it, you take that money, you reinvest it. Just like all these properties I've ten, you know, I flipped, I reinvest it. So now I've got a lot of money. But if I taken the money and go shopping with it or, or spend it on a frivolous vacation, then you can't grow. So now I have five assistants, and it's I've got one that's just responsible for closings, contract to closing. We have it down to a system. I've got one responsible for listing. She measured my house houses. She gets the listings online, make sure everything's perfect. I've got one that's just in charge of emails. When you email me, I don't see one email. She goes through every email. She replies it. And then I've got one assistant that is a backup if I'm like a scheduled appointment because I like being directly involved with my clients. But if I've got, I've got other appointments, I'll say she can show you and I'll come if you like it right after or you can wait on me, whichever one. And then I've got one that's in charge of the financial aspect. So I was going to ask you how big your team is. So five assistants, what else? Buyers agents, yeah. listing agents? Five assistants, two of them are licensed, so they, they can help. And, and what I've learned is people want Venus. They don't want the assistant. So I've, I've learned over time that I've got to develop the relationship with them first and then bring the assistant in after the relationship is developed. I don't just form them off because they trust me. Like before they write an offer, they've got to talk to me. But I don't write offers. My assistants do all that. It's it's really fun now. And it's, how many how many transactions are you doing a year? So I think I closed 50 something sides last month. Okay. So just do the math. It's like crazy. Well, no, I mean, it, it ranges between probably 175 and 200. My point is 
the market is crazy right now. People said they can't do it. I've had my best month ever. You know, you can do it in any market. You just got to be willing to to be aggressive, you know? Yeah. And when I, when I'm writing contracts for, for clients, I, I treat the, the, when I'm the buyer's agent, I do that same research. This is what you need to be at. You know, we got four people business. How bad do you want this house? You got to come $20,000 ahead to have a shot at it. Or you got to come 50. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. I get that. But then when they lose the house, they know it's because of them and not for me, you know, because I'm going to win every time. And then you have that appraisal contingency in there. So they're not going to do something that's silly. Yeah. What's what's the one piece of advice you'd give somebody today in today's world? People aren't going to like you when you get in this business. The more successful you become, people aren't going to like you. And you got to focus on knowing who you are, doing the best job you can do for your clients, being honest, holding yourself to a private standard. And when you do that, you're going to be successful. It's been amazing. We're definitely going to have to talk to you about bringing you to our live events when they happen again. Um, I think you would be an awesome person and inspiration to be on stage. So uh, hopefully we can make that work. Um, it has been, this is amazing. I'm glad I got to listen to the story twice and, and I look forward to the book. What's the, what's it called? So it's, it's called validated learning to matter and breaking the cycle of abuse. It's, it won't be out till, you know, several more months is completed. I, there's some major publishing companies. I've got a person in California and one in Utah that are, that have kind of taken the book and, and they're taking it to the next level. So it's done. But, you know, we, we want it perfect. And, you know, the book is is meant to it's it's meant to change lives. I think it's going to be very impactful. I can. I mean, I mean, this is this has got nothing to do with real estate, to be honest. That just happened to be your path. Yes. Yes. I mean, in, in my story is, you know, my message to people, it doesn't matter what happens to you. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can get through anything. You know, it, you just have to know that it will pass and that as long as you do the right thing every day, get up, no matter how hard it is, commit to being excellent. Give yourself, I gave myself morning time, you know, I'd let myself cry for a minute or two a day, but then I'm like, that's it. No more, you know, just get busy, put your big girl pants on. Don't, don't be a victim. I am not a victim. What happened to me was awful. I am happy. I love my life. You know, it's still hard sometimes, but that's okay. You know, we think when our life is hard that we're doing something wrong. And that's not true. When it's hard, it means we're making progress. You just got to look at it. Okay, it's hard, but we're making progress. I walk in my backyard. I just did a $600,000 pool renovation and paid cash for it. I walk back there. It looks like the Brits cross. I'm like, God, how did this happen? It's just like a dream. You just wake up one day after years of just doing the right thing, these simple steps. It's not brain surgery. And, and you're going to be like, wow, Venus was right. You just work hard and you're going to be successful. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, there is nothing that uh, anybody can say. There's no excuses, I think, is the best way to say it. Like there's nothing that you can't do if you you can break the pattern. And, and that's 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 amazing. And for those of us that are in my shoes that are fortunate to have been raised by a loving family and not it's 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 uh, it's humbling, to be honest with you. I mean, this is this has been this is it's an amazing story. I can't wait to share it. Um, I know that this is at the time of recording, so this won't come out for a little bit. But uh, I know you're going to be live in, in Lab Code Asian. So hopefully people have by the time they listen to this, maybe they've caught that. But um, you can go watch this on YouTube. So if you want to go see what this uh what Superwoman looks like. Um, I'm not Superwoman. I, I, I'm, 
I am no one special. I'll say that a hundred times. I just got up every day and put one foot in front of the other. I am no one special. I still fail. I am, I am, I am not. (laughs) I respectfully, I respectfully disagree. I interview a lot of amazing people. You're pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, tell, Tell your viewers, I'm on Instagram. If they could, you know, follow me there, it'll have like updates on the book. How can they find you? What's 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 your name on Instagram? Uh, Venus Morris Griffin. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I think they have me other places too. I'm I'm challenged with technology. <laughs> I have assistants that do that for me, but yeah. So that's fantastic, Venus. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great to get to 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 hear your story and meet you. And uh, I hope Sorry, you I was stay in touch. No, I love it. This has been great. Thank you so much. Take care. This episode of Lab Code Agents Podcast is brought to you by Link U. That's L-I-N-K, the letter U. Link U increases your referrals and conversions with automated and personalized digital follow-up. Link U's ultimate follow-up machine and done-for-you follow-up services can save you time, money, and energy by putting your follow-up on autopilot. And that's something we all need. This is how you get in front of your SOI and past clients and all different types of leads to get that consistency that you've been looking for. You want to learn more? Then you've got to attend one of their webinars hosted by LinkU's CEO and my friend, Wesley Rocha, where he reveals his follow-up secrets and the fastest way to double your real estate business. You can register now at www.followuplab.com. Trust me, this is not something you want to miss. Register now at followuplab.com. Lab Coat Agents Podcasts.